Hello and welcome to another Fine Meds. I'm Tom Lemon, uh, the Global Securitization Editor at Global Capital and your host for today. We're going to be discussing the latest news in European securitization with my colleagues. Uh, so first we have European CLO reporter Victoria Teeler. Hi, Victoria. Hello, Tom. And George Smith, of course, who covers European ABS RMBS. Hi, George. Hello, hello. You're both looking uh, a little bit better than you did a few days ago. Did you recover from your wild night out? <laughs> barely, um, barely. I think it was actually exclusively George's fault because he never goes out um, without a baby these days. Um, <laughs> we we meant to to meet some contacts for contacts for some very civilized Christmas drinks. Um, I think I think it was scheduled for like six p.m. to seven thirty or something. Um, and around five hours later, five rounds of cocktails later, um, we narrowly escaped going to a karaoke bar. Um, so <laughs> that, was a, that was a great next day at work. <laughs> well, just consider it sales, you know, you're, you're part of the client relationship team now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's the new cross-section approach at Global Capital. <laughs> uh, how has New York been, uh, Tom? Any fun Any fun happening? Yeah, there's been a lot of meetings. I've had a lot, but um, yesterday uh, <laughs> was particularly funny. So I went to a like media briefing from KBRA and they give like their forecast, they get their, their senior team there, and it's really interesting. But um, there, there was one guy who seemed, uh, he seemed rather obsessed with uh, his his chicken wing index. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is agriculture so, a big thing in securitization? <laughs> well, so apparently, like chicken wings are a bit more volatile um, as a price indicator um, than than the whole bird. Um, so it's quite a useful thing to sh- see, like the state of the consumer and the state of the economy. Um, Is this the chicken wing at wholesale or like uh, consumer sale? I think it's at consumer sale because it was far too expensive. <laughs> the number he gave for it to be wholesale, um, <laughs> but the guy's name is Jilun Chen, and um, I mentioned it to the to the guy who organised things. And I said, look, I'm I'm definitely going to bring it up at, <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> and he went, yeah, that was hilarious. Shilin Chen is always talking to us about chicken wings. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that was brilliant. There must be a significant buyer base for those. So <laughs> yes, yeah. Like chicken that. everywhere here. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> Victoria, <laughs> tell us about your story. You, um, you wrote about CLOs this week, of course. Yeah, I did. Um, I I spoke to to a lot of CLO investors specifically this week um, about the performance this year um, and sort of their outlook on next year. And um, I got the impression, I mean, everybody is is quite happy. Um, I think most investors had a really, really good year, especially if they bought anything sort of in 2022 and then just watched it perform this year. Um, um, but there was one aspect that I thought was really interesting. I think I might be covering sort of CLO performance more broadly in the coming weeks. But um, we've we've talked about this a little bit before, Tom, not on this podcast, just between us, um, <laughs> that there is this expectation that potentially um, interest rates could get cut um, next year. And of course, CLOs as a floating rate instruments have um, benefited 
from rising interest rates and the expectation of rising interest rates over the past year and a half. Um, and technically, if now the expectation would be that they are start to fall, that would mean that um, a floating rate instrument is becoming less attractive and people should start buying more fixed rate bonds to sort of secure um, being paid being paid more over a longer time. Um, and given that France on Thursday published some better than expected inflation data that sort of um, it was covered a bit in, in the broader press about how that led to sort of gave new fodder to bets in the market um, that these interest rate cuts could come relatively soonish um, in the next year. So I just thought it was really interesting to look at um, how how that might affect CLOs. Well, I'm uh, not a kind of I'm not completely sold on the on the likelihood of interest rate cuts, but. What do the uh, CLO investors think about it? One of the investors I spoke to um, was, um, I did practice pronouncing his name a little bit, Zui Nguyen um, at AXA um, Investment Management. Um, he was one of the ones who said that AXA expects that it is possible that interest rates will come down. Um, and he and a number of different investors said that that could if that happens, that could lead to some reallocations um, where people yeah, take out a little bit of money out of CLOs and go into something fixed rate. But what people also pointed out is, first of all, um, if it happens, then it will happen very, very gradually. Um, so even if they start cutting, we're not going to go back to zero next week, next year. Um, there is the higher, most people say that they are taking the higher for longer mantra, as one investor called it, seriously. Um, and of course, if inflation data, it just surprised us this week by being lower than expected. If it surprises us some other time by being higher than expected, um, interest rates could still rise again. Um, so it's it's definitely not sort of a, the decline will not be as fast as the as the increase. And at the same time, CLOs just have performed really, really well this year. Um, they had, um, they're still at super high spreads. They've outperformed investment grade on the investment grade credit on the triple A's. They've um, outperformed high yield and leverage loans further down in the capital structure. Triple um, A's yield still around 170 points over Euribor um, at the moment, even though they have tightened a lot over the year. Um, and sort of investment grade credit averages more around 90 base points. Um, so. This, there is this expectation that that will still attract people in the market into the market, and especially um, Lila Colmorgan at Pinebridge said, sort of most clearly that she's still speaking to institutional investors who are interested in coming into the market and beginning um, to invest. And then there's one other aspect of it that I thought was really interesting, that was um, Sharif Anbar Colas at Cartesia made that. Um, it is that if interest rates are coming down, that will actually help the credit performance of CLO portfolios um, because troubles for the underlying loans and the borrowers are caused by increasing interest rates and rising cost of debt. So if that is now going down, um, there will actually be a positive effect in there as well. So um, yeah, it's not such a sort of clear cut um, picture of, oh, it's going down, floating rate is over. They thought it was yeah, I was I was at a panel in in Barcelona. Um, I think it might have been the traders roundtable, where they were talking about this technical of like you know the market benefited back when rates were rising and and they were but I think the conclusion was pretty much that they were saying you know this technical matters a lot less than 
whether the central banks have overshot and we end up in a recession. Um, but talking broadly across ABS and CLOs. And but is this not just you know CLO debt portfolio managers you know trying to keep their jobs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you always have to be a bit careful if you talk to if you ask CLO investors if CLOs are an attractive asset class. Um, but I did uh, <laughs> I did also talk to some bank analysts, um, and one of them actually quite explicitly um, just said to me um, this morning that uh, he sometimes. He doesn't always agree with sort of managers and CLO investors, but in this case, he does. Um, there has been really strong performance and um, sort of triple A's, triple A returns for investors this year have been somewhere like 4% to 5%, um, depending on which data you use. And that analysts say that he had said he does expect that to stay the same next year, um, even though there might be. Um, there, there are some headwinds. Um, so I think this is really part of a, of a. There's, there's this bigger picture um, on CLO performance where I feel like there is the expectation across market participants that performance will stay pretty resilient, even though, for example, defaults might go up. Um, and yeah, I thought, I thought that was so. I, I do, um, I do believe that uh, this wasn't just. Um, people sort of <laughs> tooting their own horn um on a side note there, there's one detail that didn't quite make it into the article um that i thought was interesting um we all know how european borrowers have been quite good with refinancings and eminent extent deals and have been pushing out the maturity wall um from 2024 further back and dealing with the whole situation quite healthily um Okay, so, so European borrowers have been quite good with all this, um, but Sharif made this point that now he's seeing sort of um, some private equity sponsors of companies start pushing for dividend recaps. Um, so I think there's going to be some interesting, yeah, sort of defaults and downgrades are going to be an interesting one to watch next year. We await that story next week. Um, but thank you. That story was called Euro CLO Performance to Shine Through in the Face of ECB Rate Cuts and... Uh, course you can read it on global capital but tom you're <laughs> you're now that you're um in new york you actually uh you also wrote a story about um, yeah i've actually CLOs. written something exactly yeah I know. you're no longer just a web designer <laughs> and a uh, project manager and uh putting fires outer um yeah, yeah so you you wrote a clo story um and i was thinking that maybe there is some interesting implications for european um the european market as well so you're seeing signs that uh, u.s banks are buying more clo debt aren't you yeah i mean there's so the reason why this story started was i saw that um saw there have been a lot of loan notes in the sort of run up to thanksgiving to get deals done and i was sort of wondering is that like a Mm, are people a bit desperate trying to get a deal over the line and it's not really that it's 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 just an accounting trick if you like trick is the wrong word it's just an accounting feature that that the bank investors want want their their triple a clo debt in loan format um for like risk-weighted rules and regulatory capital rules um and 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 basically the, the thing about them is if you see that it's like 99% of the time, that means that a U.S. bank or a U.S. Re- regulated bank investor has bought that CLO debt. 
Um, whether that goes into Europe, I, I'm not sure. But but the signs are that that U.S. banks will will grow their presence in the in the U.S. CLO AAA uh, market. Um, and and there's a couple of reasons for that. So you have one on the with Basel three end game coming through. It it really does feel quite attractive. Um, I spoke to bank analyst at um, uh, Bank of America, Pratik Gupta, and he said it's like CLO debt in the US ticks all the boxes. So it's floating rate. Um, it. It, and it's the only floating rate product really in that sense that you can buy at the scale that you need um, for for those sorts of institutions. Um, and and typically when they're active in the US, like really active in the US, I would say typically that that's, that's often a sign that they'll also be really active in in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah. I think there seems to be this expectation um, that U.S. banks might return a bit to the CLO market in Europe next year, given that certain regulatory hurdles um, around. Um, We've definitely seen a few loan notes in the uh, ABS market this year. Uh, Capital yeah. Tap had had one on their deal that was bought by Citi. Um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll just be interesting to to keep an eye on what. Um, on how that goes I think um, yeah there is a there is definitely a sense that they when I talk to a lot of institutions over here I do get the sense that they really want to invest in Europe um, but they often feel that they can't um, and I think there is a sense of optimism that the picture on the regulatory front is changing in Europe um, so, so yeah, I guess we just have to wait and see whether that um, whether that does hold hold true. Um, but yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, definitely keep us posted on how that is going. <laughs> so, if you want to read <laughs> Tom's story and find out some more details, um, there it's it's on Global Capital and it's called "U.S. Banks to Buy More CLOs Structures Suggest It Has Begun." All right. Um, I mean, as pleasing as it is that this podcast is now um, around 66% CLOs, uh, now that Tom is doing more reporting again, um, I think we still sort of, you know, pay some alimony, that was called, to ABS. Um, George, what have you been up to this week? Well, first of all, planning my responses to next week, come out swinging to defend the ABS market against the CLO intrusion. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've actually, as you as you know, been in in London this week, and I've been I'm back in Edinburgh now. By the sounds of things, <laughs> um, going rushing full from, dad from... mode. No, George actually was sensible. He did skip the last round. <laughs> I did admire your in that moment when I was sort of downing my fifth amaretto sour. I was really um really impressed. Well, I was I was sensing the, the turning point there for like what was going to happen next, and I thought. This is like, you know, there's a bifurcation here and I've got to stay on the right side of this. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, Tom's been to KBRA and I've been to um, DBRS's European credit outlook. So it's been a week of ratings agency briefings, I think. for us. Oh, what a uh, lovely theme for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, How um, was it? How was it? Was it interesting? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, I think uh, the main thing I took away is they think there's more 
paint to kind of feed through from interest rates, particularly in kind of mortgages. Um, they said like the main sectors they've seen downgrades in are CMBS and um, Italian NPLs, and the, the the ones they have on negative outlook are like other sectors that are not in prime or very exposed to rising rates. And they just said like even if rates level off, uh, there's still more to come in terms of pain on the consumer. And they also had a, a very tasty lunch, I thought. Um, another point they highlighted was the kind of relative uh, attractiveness for issuers of RMBS, prime RMBS against covered bonds. They said kind of um, issuers have been running into name limits with investors. And so there should be even more uh, prime RMBS next year. Nice. And and you also, you also wrote uh, another opinion piece talking about how good things could be for securitization next year. I do indeed, yeah. Uh, Optimism is not is not the the sort of you know the way forward in this market. If you want to make friends, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't um, taking a very optimistic view of the of the macro economy. I said even if there's a big downturn, securitization could be the kind of uh, rock of banks funding, um, just because asset backed. Um, finance has just held up a lot better this year than um, people maybe thought. Performance has been very strong. So um, I was just kind of saying there's a bit of a weather analogy running through the, the piece, but you know, in a storm, uh, securitization can do well. And you know, there has, I guess, been a bit in the past of it. It's kind of lags the broader markets. It's always the first out if there's a tricky window and the last back in. I don't think that's really true anymore. I think it's time to kind of discard that notion as yeah. I explained in the piece yeah and it's uh it's free to read which is great and it's called recession or not 2024 looks good for securitization it also has a really cool ollie copplestone cartoon um and anyway uh I guess what's actually been going on in ABS this week rather than <laughs> you drinking and pontificating about the market <laughs> oh, well the Drinking and pontificating are, are fine activities, but uh, we have had. <laughs> and they say it's an interesting... gotten boring since the eighties. <laughs> uh, an interesting deal from Barclays, um, the first deal from Kensington Mortgage Company since they took over, um, and it's the seniors are retained so it's basically it's a risk transfer trade they've sold the full capital stack and it's from the gem Gato shelf which is the owner occupied sts shelf that kensington used to have um and yeah i think it's just a wider kind of well it's probably one of the last public deals but you know there's a whole bunch of synthetics and risk transfer trades also being done behind the scenes i think um, Santander, I think I saw a deal this morning from them, Danish auto synthetic deal. Um, Friday, that is, as as we speak. Yeah. And because you, you've written about how synthetics, or the synthetic market is, is, is changing, shall we say. Yeah, it's kind of a maturing, as I saw about how it's kind of coming of age. I think people generally have this idea that like the main reason to do synthetics is like red cap relief basically and you know you want to get some risk off the book so you can get optimize your capital ratios and that's definitely one of the main reasons kind of new issuers would come to the market 
Um, but this is kind of, I just spoke to a few investors who were saying, look, we've had issues in the market now for seven years, 10 years. They're thinking, what else can we do with this technology? Like, uh, this is something we can use for other things. And there's a few examples of different trades. And one one thing I think people were just saying is like, you often get banks who expand very rapidly in certain areas. They just do a lot of lending. And then they're like, oh, now we need to get rid of this risk. Like, it doesn't really matter that they don't get red cap relief for it. They'll just um, like pass on the risk to investors, and just because the the management or the board just wants them to do that. And those kind of yeah. trades have always happened, but they're even on the rise um, now, according to these investors. Interesting, and and that story is called um, "Synthetic Securitization Blossoms into Mainstream as Issuers Find New Uses." Um, but I, I think that's pretty much us ready to go. Um, have you got got any interesting plans next week? We are. I, I always remember our our managing editor used to say that this is the time of year that good journalists show themselves because there's nothing going on and you've got to go and find it. So <laughs> interesting to see if, if, if you fit into that category. <laughs> you should see the number of times that some sort of outlook meeting is in my calendar for next week. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I actually have a lot of, just a lot of meetings scheduled because it's also like a really good time to sort of meet everybody for coffee who was really busy in the past few weeks. Um, so I feel like I actually have quite a lot of things to write about now. Good. I'm back in Edinburgh this week, and I should have an issue uh, interview coming out at some stage, but I will keep you guessing as to who it's going to be. <laughs> and I can blow you all out of the water, because I'm going to Dana Point in California. Oh, I'm so jealous. Say hello to all my contacts. <laughs> <laughs> um... And yes, although it's going to be a rather torrid weekend, I'm flying on Saturday evening, staying in a hotel in Los Angeles for about six hours, and then getting a cab down to Dana Point for an hour, <laughs> checking into my hotel, and then like the conference starts on the Sunday, like <laughs> going on, nice. and then uh, getting the red eye on Tuesday night. So yeah, should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I actually am really jealous. Uh, but yes, all the investors are going to um, be there, I think. Yeah. Um, but yes, so I, I guess it's time for us to say goodbye. That's all we've got time for. Yeah. Otherwise, I hope you have a lovely week and uh, see you next week. Bye.